So, listen, after a few weeks away, I'm back to sort this shit show out and get it back on the road. Um, and a bonus as well, John, this week, because we've lost Mark Flanagan and all that beautiful, insightful input that he offers in the in the 27 have, words have we, that he brings to us every episode. Have we lost him forever? Is he gone forever? Unfortunately, though? fear not. I'm told he's on a he's on a tacky Spanish family holiday and he's going to be back next week. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, all-inclusive. All-inclusive sort of yeah. gig, isn't he? Proper yeah, saddle with sort of yeah. thing, you know. Uh, we've up the stakes and we've, we're joined by the brilliant Ryan Hall. Uh, Ryan, welcome to Out of Your League, mate. Good to have you on. And fresh, we should say, Ryan, uh, off the back of your 400th career appearance last week, which is some going. I think that's it's not quite up there with Wilkin level yet, but the, the double over Wigan for the first time from a whole KR point of view uh, in 37 years. That, that was a special day for you and the club, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I... Um... I didn't realise it was 400. Um, I think they've counted a couple of egg, the, them exiled games in there as well. Uh, oh, they don't, they don't count, do they? No. Uh, well, well. I played around with <laughs> them, but um, I don't think it was quite cast as a cap or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I'll be happy to get there. It's um, it snuck, on me, uh, snuck up on me. Uh, I don't feel I'm old enough yeah. to get that anyway. Um, I know, I was going to say. Well, Wilkin, anyway. what did you get to? I, I was, yeah, I was around... I was around the 500 mark will when I when I oh, finished, yeah. um, but a bit like Ryan, what he's saying there is, is like time's really funny, isn't it? Because mm. it's only at those points in like the future. So Ryan's got to 400 games. You start that's when you hit those landmarks. You start to actually realise how long you've been playing. And as Holly, you know, he says, well, you know, he's surprised he's got there and it came round quick. Well. For everybody who's been watching rugby league, it feels like Ryan Hall's been playing forever. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't it, as slowly as it goes for you. You know, um, yeah, it's been a remarkable career, full of full of uh, full of all sorts. So, yeah, but but congratulations on the four hundred. How good is it to be introduced as the brilliant Ryan Hall? Because that as an introduction, that that's pretty that's good. good. <laughs> I'd like to I'll keep arms out of it. Well, that's why I play on wing. Because like I'm not in mix of it, I stand outside like unassuming, uh, just try to go under radar a little bit. But people keep jazzing it up a little bit, calling me brilliant. And that. <laughs> oh no, I mug you off in about five minutes, Ryan. I just don't know oh, you yeah, that well yeah. to do that this <laughs> year. <laughs> but no, listen, mate. Th- those those sort of hallmarks, you know, those milestones, or whatever. Um, I guess they they do make you quite emotional, really, because obviously you don't concentrate on the numbers really until you sort of sit back and it's all over. And you can look back and read your leather-bound books and, and sort of talk to your grandchildren about what you did. But it, time is a funny concept, isn't it? And, and I know you're only 33, really. So those numbers could be going up and up. But it, like Wilco said, it only seems like yesterday you were, you know, a whippersnapper in that lead side. Uh, yeah. Um, it was funny because uh, Tony Smith actually said to me before the game, because like, he's a coach now at OKR, okay, yeah, he gave me my 400 game. Uh, he also got me first as well. Uh, he also put, I remember in the change room on my, on my debut, him uh, pulling my shirt on for me because it never fits properly, so he has to pull it down. And he was actually going to pull it on. And, uh, yeah, so it's like little things like that. Obviously, it's been a, lot, a long career. Um, it's little things like that that you really stick in your mind, like for odd occurrences. I don't know why, uh, but I remember, you know, where I was, you know, on, you know, Magic Weekend. I come on at 60, uh, 60 minutes into the game. So I made my debut uh, in the first ever Magic Weekend and I played 20 minutes of that game. And it's, it's weird why I remember that. But then if you ask me about game, I don't know, 39, I'll have no idea what, what went on in that. But um, yeah, the, the big the big things, you know, because it made, 
because it mattered a lot. I think debuts, you know, matter. Um, and the way that the game panned out as well, it was the one that, um, where Jordan Tanzi scored from being an offside position. Yeah. That was the game. Um, yeah. So obviously it got yeah. a bit of um, bit of media attention in that game as well. So it was a, a really good debut to be in. Wilka, what were, what were your memories then of playing against Ryan, particularly in those Leeds days? I mean, you never got near him, did you? But he, he was... Some specimen, wasn't he? And, and you know, arguably still is this season because he's he's still smashing it. Yeah, I mean, um, when, when you played against Ryan, you know, you mentioned four hundred games. Um, you know, that all that speaks of is is the volume in somebody's career. It, it speaks of you know a number of appearances, and you know, there's many players get to four hundred appearances. Um, but I'm more about the quality and, and, and it's more the quality what Ryan's brought to the game that I find interesting. And, and you ask, Will, what it was like sort of playing against him. Well, Ryan was one of those players probably... There was a period in the game where, you know, Bradford and bigger sides of the past had, had huge wingers like a Leslie Vinicolo and, and, and there were sides that, that, that had sort of big outside backs. But it was it was... They, they weren't very mobile, and I think Ryan was one of the first guys with such a strong carry, you know, coming out of his own half, uh, but mobile as well. And then you put on top of that, you know, his finishing ability. He was, he was, a, he still is and was a very, very difficult player to play against. And you know, the measure of, I think, of, of how good a player is is how much time you spend on on preview when you're previewing a, like a team, when you're looking up their their. You know their last appearances. How much time you spend, um, you know, focusing on one particular player? Well, when we played at Saints, God, we'd 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 do endless drills trying to you know run Ryan off the ball when when the kicks were sort of coming across because we knew he could get a catch or whatever. And so I suppose the measure and and, and the biggest compliment you can play is he, he always pretty much featured in 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 how we built up to games against Leeds uh, quite prominently and and and. You know, not in a, a way where you try and sort of get after his weaknesses. It was trying to like dull down his strengths. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> well, look, that's the question. I guess the, uh, let's flip it and and see what Tony Smith's PowerPoint presentations were like. Did Wilkin ever get a mention in those? Well, he did because he he actually often played out of a position when he played against us. It was a back row or <laughs> played six, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember you playing a lot of times uh, six or seven against us, like. We'll, we'll call out position, but you played very well in them positions. Um, but yeah, that, that's true what John's saying about, you know, that is a measure of the player that you're playing against is how long you look at them. Uh, I'll, I'll, I've never seen a, uh, a Saints preview, so I, I wouldn't have known that I, I ever came up on on them videos. But um, yeah, it's definitely from from personal point of view, it's we spend a lot of time, for instance, now when we play Catalans, it's, it's Sam Tompkins. It stops Sam Tompkins, you know, for... If, you, if you're in the video for an hour, half an hour of the video is about Sam, um, which is true. <laughs> like obviously, you see the, uh, the displays that he's, play, he's played this year and how he's playing. And, that, you know, it's probably, you know, correct why we do that. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, he's right, he's right yeah. is what John's saying. Yeah. Look, you boys did play for England together. I know you overlapped a little bit, Wilco, didn't you, for, for a couple of years. Any yeah, any England yeah. stories? Like, just before we came on, I was, you know, we were talking about the, the Sean Long pissing in your drawer and flooding your passport. But, you know, Ryan's already heard that one. So any other fresh Ryan Hall? Was, was he quite well-behaved, quite sensible? I, I'll, well, I'll start off, but I'm quite reserved normally. Like, Long is, long is one end at scale and I, I'm at the other, really. So I'm quite a, 
normal. <laughs> I try and just keep my head down. So I don't think, it, well, unless he's going to surprise me or something, I don't think he's going to conjure anything up here. <laughs> no, no. Ryan never, never. Um, he never wet the bed after nights out. That's that's a great start. Um, he never urinated in the bedside table um, mm. uh, in hotels, which is good. What one thing I say about Ryan actually? You know, when you work, you work in teams or you play in a team for a long period of time. Um, excuse my dog. My dogs are just kicking off at the pit. So I think my wife orders something from Amazon every day. Like every day we get deliveries of something. Mm. So something's Was just that noise, Fran, or, or your yeah. dog? It was the dog. It was the dog, was the dog I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah, so when you work playing a team, um, there's all sorts of personalities and, and people stand out for a number of reasons. And, you know, you reference Sean Long. Sean Long was like a mercurial sort of roguish uh, character. And, and, and a lot of the stories <laughs> of, of, of Sean revolved around that. Well, you know... Ryan stood out for me when we played with him because two things. One, he was pretty quiet. He was intelligent. He was diligent. He, he, he wasn't, I would say this, he wasn't scared of being himself. And, and my initial impression of Ryan is that he, he's quite considered. He's, he's quite um, sort of well put together. And, and like little clues like, you know, bringing a, a Rubik's Cube to, to camp and, and uh, completing it in a, an outrageously quick time. But yeah, it, well, do you know what, do you know what, Wilco, that is a, that is a, that's a really good point, actually, because I wanted to touch on this later. But as you mentioned that, because I, Ryan, I don't know you at all in terms of personality wise, obviously, you know, you know what you did on the pitch and what you're still doing, but you, you do have a reputation of being quite excellent as in sort of um, what's the word? What's that film? Beautiful Mind style, Russell Crowe style, but at maths. And you know you were you were brilliant at maths at school. You, you studied accountancy, did a degree in accountancy, um, and I think you know you were you you could have taken that into your career path absolutely. So, and you you kind of take that into your game. You look at things statistically and mathematically. Uh, well, yeah. Well, the, a lot of what's punched out after games is stats analysing the game. So then, if you try and look at the beforehand and what you need to do to be good. It kind of fits in with my uh, my personality and what John's saying. Like I don't I don't know why I'm this way. It's just how, how I am. At school, I was just I just seemed to be good at maths. So obviously, if you're good at things, you just you tend to enjoy them a lot more. So obviously, mm-hmm. when, once you're good at it, you enjoy it, and then you get more. You know, you spend a lot of time doing it. So when I went, when I went to college, fifty percent of my last lessons were maths because I did maths and further maths. And then physics. So I was just <laughs> doing maths constantly. So you, you tend to... Fucking maths everywhere. <laughs> so it tends to like I mean, make an impression on you. So when I go into a different environment, because uh, I've still got numbers flying around my head, it's, um, it's, I tend to be like how I am, <laughs> you know, referring everything back to numbers and trying to reason things through numbers. That is interesting. I mean, like you'd never have known that really, would you, about, about right? And just the, the idea of maths for me, makes makes my penis turn into like a, a chode I, just, I i hated it I, li- I i couldn't have thought of anything worse at school than maths because it ju- i don't know and and also i just used to say to my maths teachers like what the fuck are we doing this for like i've got even back then in the <laughs> 90s had a calculator on my phone i'm never gonna need any of this and to this day every time i do maths i use my iphone just didn't need it but awesome. that yeah. was a nice picture will where's that and where's your screensaver <laughs> i never got to ask grease and I never got to a point where I was asking that question. Uh, even to the point in, in A-level, we did something called imaginary numbers. Like, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a number that doesn't exist. 
and we were doing calculations using these numbers that don't exist to try and punch out real numbers on the other side. So even at that point, I wasn't asking why we're doing this. I was just like, oh, if that's the technique that we use, that's that's what we do, and let's let's get on with it. In fact, it's it's the rugby side of me what has started questioning what I used to do. Um, yeah. So I've gone backwards a little bit. So now I've you know I can analyze it from afar because I'm not in that environment anymore. I analyze what what was I doing then? Why was I doing that? Um, which is a bit, but that's the the because the, uh, the rugby side of you know the rugby environments made me think of, of maths in that way. I, I could just already picture it, you know, the kind of the Ryan Hall that could have been as well had he not gone into rugby with a sort of little briefcase and specs on walking down the high street in Rothwell, West Yorkshire. It could have life could have been so different, Ryan. Yeah, well, it was um, an interesting story about um, going to university. So when I was I was late developer um, and I was late coming to rugby league, so I kind of missed out all of the academy, you know, scholarship structures. Uh, I was happy playing um, first team rugby at my amateur club, and that's what I was doing alongside um, my, my studying. And then I was lining myself up to do um, a pure master degree at Leeds University. So I'd, I'd done all that application, I got accepted. I'd done I'd done my exams, my A levels. I'd been accepted in um, into Leeds University, and I, I was set to go. And that's what I was doing. Um, I didn't know what the end result was going to be. I just thought a master degree surely is going to open a couple of doors for me. Um, so that's what I was going along with. And then uh, I got a phone call from Tony Smith. Um, they saying, do you fancy having a go at full-time rugby league? Um, and it was like, it, I made the, the decision over the phone call. It was like, I was thinking my brain should be, touch wood, um, in a decent nick for, you know, the rest of my life. But my body will only be good enough to do rugby league at this age. So I kind of, I agreed with him straight then and there. I says, yeah, I'll see you. I think it was 7th of November uh, for pre-season. And that was um, that was the decision made. I, I love that because there, there are always those little stories, Wilco, aren't there? Like, you know, we've spoken to so many people on this podcast where they're, and, like, I guess you could put, you, you could kind of, you know, transfer that to any sort of walk of life and other careers and so on. But like Ryan was playing for the Alton Raiders and, you know, it just happened to be that, a, you know, a former lead co- Leeds coach was watching on and whatever. It's just those tiny little moments in life that had that not happened, Ryan, who knows? You know, that whole career may have been non-existent. And Wilco, we see it so many times. You probably had the, that same sliding doors moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, you know, careers and, and, and success in, in life is often hinged on like these these moments. And, and um, it's difficult to predict when those moments are. Um but timing, I'm a big believer of, of timing in life, you know, and, and, and you know, the right place, right time and, and, and actually producing a performance or doing the right thing at the right time, um, you know, produces remarkable results. And, and you know, for somebody like like Ryan, you know, I, I think sport actually, if we look at the Olympics, just, you know, Helen Glover, one of the rowers, w- w- was not a, an elite athlete. You know, she she was missed out by all of the talent ID programs, and and th- there's something to be said in in sport for finding good where it shouldn't be. Now, there shouldn't have been somebody as good as Ryan Hall playing at that level at that time, um, but the fact he was playing to the level he was at that level, you know, is quite remarkable. And 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 often, you know, I think. Clubs want to identify talent at 10, 11, 12 years old. And I just think it's an archaic 
way of, of viewing recruitment. I, I think you can find the most resilient, most robust, most durable, um, the the athletes that aren't exhausted by this 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 academy and, and scholarship system can often be found in other places and Ryan's an example of that. What I'm really interested in is what the fuck is pure maths? Do you know yeah, what I mean? As as opposed no but as opposed to what? Like maths which is impure <laughs> in its in it, in its definition. But this is pure maths. It's not yeah. it's not maths with an edge. It's pure maths. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just what they called it. So you get your statisticians, uh, if I can pronounce it properly, who do you know purely stats-based stuff, and then your physicians and your engineers who use applied maths. Uh, so like you're always using the maths side of things to work out, I know levers or you know how to design buildings and all that sort of stuff. But pure maths is literally finding numbers within equations and going down the imaginary complex numbers route of just crunching numbers, like the beautiful mind when he's writing equations on the board. And it's just, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. That's the pure maths where there's really not much apply, you know, applicant for it. It's just what can numbers, <laughs> what can numbers mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I've just got this like really vivid sort of vision of, of Ryan Hall when he's playing the game. It's almost <laughs> like the matrix. Well, do you know, there's yeah. just, there's just percentages, there's, there's, there's distances, there's speeds, there's imaginary numbers. Maybe there's an imaginary number for catching the ball above your head or something. And maybe Ryan worked it out. He had he had a little chalkboard at home and he got his yeah. coloured like chalks out and he's worked out the algorithm to solve catching the ball above your head. And he's not told anyone. He, do you know what? One thing I forgot to say about Ryan, self, very selfish, very selfish man. He, he worked rugby league out via an equation and he's kept it yeah. to his little self. What, what a bastard. You know, I, I can see him sort of just like staying behind afterwards as well. And Robin Williams comes in and they're just there, you know, uh, sort of good, good Ryan hunting. They're just like making equations and drawing things <laughs> over the wall. But yeah, well, go right. I, I can't disagree with any of that. I've uh, might have found, found out a formula for winning. Um, I don't know. <laughs> if I come a coach, I might spread it to other people. But for now, it's, uh, it's under my head. Well. Mate, at least you're, you're absolutely sorted for post-rugby, aren't you? Just walking straight into an accountancy role somewhere. I mean, most of these idiots that we speak to every week have, you know, like Wilkin and, and Flash are th thick as two short planks and have to come up with some sort of coffee business, which is, you know, desperate and, and cringing. But, um, Ryan, let's go, rewind a little bit because I really want to get stuck into Leeds and the sort of the mindset at Leeds and everything that went with the machine that was Leeds back then. But you were born um, in Rothwell, and we, we mentioned it earlier, the home of, by the way, from my research, David Batty and Alan Smith, the former Leeds United players. And did you yeah. know, well, and, and also Gary Schofield, we should say, he's from Rothwell. Um, yeah. But Rothwell, this was my most interesting bit of research from Rothwell, is part of the historic rhubarb triangle uh, with the town yeah. and the surrounding areas um, sort of Very famed for having once produced 90% of the world's rhubarb, John Wilkin. That's, yeah. uh, that's a stat, Will. And that's numbers, and that's math. <laughs> and Ryan's excited. Ryan is excited by that number. Well, how do they grow rhubarb? Out of interest, they grow it in sheds, don't they? In the dark, do they? Uh, do they? Do they? I've seen I've seen fields and fields of it around me. Um, so it's, oh. I'm, I'm put it outside under under a greenhouse tent. You know, they, they do the tents within the field. I think they go under there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. That's as much as I know. Rough I, round. Round. I don't know Rough. much about. <laughs> yeah. But. God, what was what was Rothwell like then? 
growing up there? I mean, because it's quite a small little place, 20,000 people. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, like, I love where I, you know, where I come from, all my background. I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, I obviously had a great group of friends, all, all from Rothwell, and uh, very similar to me, you know, similar backgrounds and everything. And it's like, when you have a common, I won't say a common goal, but some things in common, you know, you, you, you great friends, you know, formed from that. And I still keep in touch with my uh, friends from that sort of time, you know, through school and, you know, all that sort of stuff now. So it's really good that, you know, they're all, we have got a lot, a lot of things in common from where I'm from. And um, it's pretty, it's made, made things easy. I never had a, any hard times or anything like that. So um, I re really enjoyed my childhood and we had all the facilities, like roughly, you said it's pretty small. It had uh, everything that I needed. You need, you know, a little shopping precinct, you yeah. know, if you ever need anything, and a park, a skate park, and, you know, as many fields as you want to go running around it. Um, and that's all we needed, really. You know, as young boys, just you know, go and give us a ball, and you know, give us an empty field, and it'll, you know, I'll go out, at, you know, when sun rises and come home from a tea, um, quite easily, easily placed. You saw, you should be on the Rothwell tourist board. I like that. At first, I was thinking kind of uh, League of Gentlemen, and now I now I want to get a place there. Um, look, Ryan. So to me, from the outside, and tell me if I'm wrong, you seem to sort of smash the senior academy team at, at Leeds because you came to it quite late as you just said and it all went so well and that transition to the first team was, was seemed sort of so smooth you mentioned that you made your debut there on uh, the Magic Weekend I think it was in Cardiff wasn't it 2007 and you, and you kind of really never looked back from that point from a Leeds point of view yeah well I think uh, like John says you know special moments you know it's all about timing and um I never had any reference point to go back to, you know, from a negative, you know, uh, point of view. Mm -hmm. So uh, some of the other players who were, who'd come through the academy system and, you know, on the scholarships and they maybe had, had some negative experience, you know, through that time about maybe being dropped or maybe being not selected in the big games. I never had any of that. So when I came up to my, my debut, I just took it as a, all right, okay, that's what we're doing. And then next game it was like, yeah, I'll carry on and when I didn't play which because quite a few occasions after my uh, debut because uh, there was quite a number of players going after one shirt in the Leeds team at the time there's me Lee Smith Danny Williams Ashley Gibson Jordan Tansley all vying for one wing spot so it was many a time when I didn't play but I never you know I wasn't downhearted by that like some people can get downhearted and go off on a tangent and you know take their eye off the ball but I never never had to uh, deal with that because it was always a positive for me because it was just, you know, I've, I've kind of fallen into this job that I'm doing and everything, every day was a bonus. And like, I love, I love what I'm doing. I was, I was playing it from a, you know, for enjoyment of the weekends normally, but now I'm getting paid to do it. Um, it was, yeah, I think that was a, a blessing in disguise where I didn't have any uh, negative, uh, you know, past events to go back to. I think that's really interesting, do you know, that um, what we do is we, we prep young people to be professional, to be professional athletes from such a young age that, that you can, I think you get so much enthusiasm for something and you get so much uh, resistance to negativity towards something. And I often think a lot of that negative energy we, we put into younger people at an age where they're not able to process it. Where, where you say somebody like Ryan, where he's just excited and, and encouraged by the opportunity he's given, 
And I just wonder in, in professional sport, do we, do we put too much pressure on young people? Do we make it all about results? You're picked, you're not, you're in, you're out, you know, things are going well or they're going bad. Or is there a way to do it where we cultivate a mindset like, like what Ryan had? And it reminds me of myself when moving from Hull KR to St. Helens, where all of that was just positive. I hadn't really had any negative experiences until, you know, I was 18, 19. So by the time some negativity came my way, it was just absorbed by a wave of positivity that I just developed over a period of time. So... I think listening to Ryan is not the first person, but I, I just wonder, well, you know, I think in, in general, in, in sport, are we placing too much emphasis on you're in or you're out, you're selected or you're not, you get a tracksuit or you don't, at a time when people's resilience and self-esteem is just not robust enough to deal with that, you know? And, you know, look back to Ryan's you time. And develop Ryan, that, you, you need to develop that side of your, of your, pers- your personality, don't you? Um, yeah. yeah and, and young people are quite susceptible for all, all things, you know, so they can go wayward quite easily, like you say, if you get too many negative, you know, events going on. Mm. I mean, look, you, you won absolutely everything at Leeds, Ryan, and you don't need reminding of this, but, you know, six Super Leagues, two Challenge Cups, two World Club Challenges, you scored over 200 tries. We've had loads of people, haven't we, Walker, from that Leeds era on the podcast over the last three years. But for you, Ryan, um, when, when you're part of that winning machine... Uh, a lot of it, a lot of it, I imagine, just sort of snowballs. I'm not saying there's luck involved or whatever, but you're not thinking about that winning machine every week. But when you look back on that time now at, at Leeds, who, who were the sort of key cogs for you, the most important people that made that work and made you so successful? Oh, it's, uh, it's certainly um, certainly Kev. Uh, Kevin Sinfield was number one on the list. Uh, first day of preseason um, on the in the first team, he was there. Um, it's normally the time where the youngsters just come back in. You know, or you maybe get the an injured friend, you know, first first teamer. But um, Kev was there because he didn't play go on the Great Britain tour uh, that year, end of two thousand six. Uh, so going into two thousand seven, he was in um, from the first day of preseason, and he just set he just said some things to me, some unwritten rules about how we operate, and then it was that stuck. That I still live by them, you know, to this day, uh, all because of, you know he was there on day one. Um, so that can you share a cut? Can you share a couple of those, or are they top secret? Oh, no, there's, there's no, you know, major in there. It's just about your punctuality and how you dress and you know your diet, basically. All the the one percenters. You turn up well, Lombardi's rule. You know, you turn up to training 15 minutes early, or your glasses late. That that's a simple one. So every every time I go training now, I'm always 15 minutes early. I've ever done it for 14 years. It's just. It's been, it's been now built into me and he kind of set that, um, you know, that president, you know, right from the off. Um, and it, it's only a simple one. There's loads of things like that about you wear your kit properly, you know, you, you wear your right attire when you need to. You know, like if, if you don't, if there's no baseball caps allowed around training, you don't wear a baseball cap. It's just that sort of thing. It's the little bits what accumulate, you know, some self-worth, you know, like you really value it and some things you can carry going forward and, you know, you take pride in yourself and you can really, you know, get, it's a decent base to start from. I mean, that, that's, I, that is really interesting because, Wilco, do you remember a couple of weeks ago we had Daryl Powell on and that was one of his first mm. things and, it, you know, it sounded kind of not that impactful really but when you think about it and the tone that it sets, you know, that was the first thing that he said was what you turn up in, you don't wear anything that, that's not protocol, it's not club club kit. 
I mean, you know, we always make these comparisons with footballers and we talk about the culture and how it can change in football and how it should be more like rugby and so on. Surely that should be one of the first fucking things in football. I mean, some of them turn up looking like a bin bags mated with a banana. It's like, that's your first point of getting everyone on the same level, isn't it? You all wear the same stuff because you're all at the same level. doesn't matter if you've been here for 20 years or two minutes. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I think, um, you know, Pep Guardiola, you know, I think it was Ibrahimovic was wanting to drive his yellow Ferrari to training at Barcelona. And he said, look, we, you know, we're sponsored by Audi or whatever. We all drive the Audis. We, we want to be a bit more humble than that. And there's, there's certain things that ripple under, you know, rules and, and, and expected behaviours that ripple under all good organisations, don't they? And, and um you know, punctuality, respect, um, you know, d- discipline in terms of your appearance. You know, th- these are all relatively basic things, Will, but you're so right to say how often those things are not adhered to. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm a big believer that good, good leaves evidence, doesn't it? And, and, and the, the opposite can be said is, is, is bad leaves evidence as well. And, and whenever you're in an environment that is a bit reckless, that, that is a bit looser than you used to be, the things that stand out to me are, uh, are maybe that, that lack of uh, punctuality, you know, the, the, the sort of free and loose way in which people present themselves. And, you know, the simplest things are often the hardest and most difficult things to adhere to because they are so simple. and. Um, you know, we look at, like, say, the military, you look at the Marines now, you know, do they need to get out of bed, make the bed and polish the boots? Does it operationally make them any better at, 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 you know, at what they do? Well, the answer is probably not. But by starting and setting those standards early, yeah. it allows them then to go on and be organised and, and be creative when they need to be. And Well, even that book, yeah, I'm sure you're talking referring to that, Wilco, you know, that Make Your Bed book by... Um, Admiral William McRaven which is you know it's about 100 pages long yeah. give that to every fucking Premier League footballer it's setting a standard isn't it it is yeah and I, I think look that one of the big differences uh, that I've you know as, a, as an outsider observed and we, look let, let's as a point of reference talk about the Leeds team that was so successful that Ryan was part of is that I believe football is an individual sport it's the best teams come together as a collective but in the main it's quite a mercenary individual sport where people will protect their own ends whereas rugby league has not been corrupted by money and by power so if we look at the great Leeds team that won everything and was the best maybe best super league team we've seen it was the power of the collective that that made it because um you know, the, the, I don't think they were the best team, Ryan, you know, throughout all that time. I think there was times which, you know, the team I was playing for, we would have we would have sat back and thought, we're a better side than Leeds. But it was only through working with Brian McDermott I realised how strong that collective was and, and how, uh, you know, well every single part of that team did its job, you know, magnificently well. And, and, well, that, and in great organised... I'll agree with you there, like, it wasn't other teams that would probably sit back and say that we're a better team because we'd agree with we, we We sat there and we addressed yeah. it, you know, in 2011 when we were coming ninth at one point and then we ended up finished fifth. We ended up winning the grand final, but we were nowhere near the best team that year. It's just because we identified, like, every time we go on the field, you've got to realise that we are not the best team. You've got to fight for every inch, uh, everything that goes on, you know, on the field because we're not the best. And um, th- that got the best out of us, you know. You know, so um, 
Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really um, powerful like conversation that we had. You know, I think well, Kev led it actually uh, about you know we have to realise that we're not the best team, and it's, it's I'm agreeing exactly what you're saying there. Like I don't think we were the best team, but we just stuck together. That's how that's unbelievable, well, isn't it? To think of that that you know, like we we spend so much time like pushing this positivity message and and that anything's possible and, and you know. Um, you know, speaking, you know, you, you, anything's possible. You know, we are great. We can do whatever we want. And here's a team that was infinitely successful, you know, admitting to themselves that at a point in time, we are not the best team. Uh, and the interesting thing is that, that if your self-esteem and, and your culture is not strong enough, that could break down. But, but like I said about Leeds at the time, is when you've got a strong enough group of people and a strong enough culture... Actually, honesty has like a multiplier effect of how good you can be. If we all sit here and go, right, actually, guys, look around. You know, our team's not quite as good as theirs, but here's what we can do. And and that's that's how you get better. And 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 you know, I, I think lots about the period in which Ryan's team were very successful and 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 I think lots about the Leeds team versus the Saints team at the time. And the difference was we had a stubbornness in belief that we were better than everyone. Leeds had a stubbornness to go and win games however they could. And and the, there was a difference there in, in the mindset. And, you know, I used to stand back and, and, and admire the way Leeds, Leeds played. And especially in big games, Ryan, that was a feature of your time at Leeds, wasn't it? Big games, big performances. Well, yeah, like <clears throat> we, we obviously analysed you just as much as you analyse us and You'd score tries that we couldn't score. Could you, you, the level of rugby that you play was just so high. So our, our task was to not let you do that. <laughs> it sounds simple, but yeah. like, what can we do to stop you doing that? And um, to, in the big games, that's that's all we did. We we had to make you the team that you were not. You know, make you a different team. Yeah. And it, it, it's just grinding. It's a horrible like process. What we have to do to you? We have to kick you into a corner. We have to not let you out of that corner. We, well, we've got sometimes fingers crossed that it's going to rain, um, which it did the majority of the time as well. <laughs> it did. It, it did, didn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. we, we wake up, we go, oh, God, do, do, do you know God what? it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I remember Ryan as well. You know, the, those years, I think it was sort of 2009 to 11, 12, whatever. And, you know, everyone was was dubbing you the, the best winger in the world. You were scoring 30 tries a season, all sorts of different tries. I know you said you didn't score the same sort of tries that Saints were scoring, but you still scored some ridiculous tries. One thing I was thinking is the mathematician who who I saw recently doing an interview for Hull KR saying that he doesn't count the tries and it's not. It's all about the team and so on. This is the maths man who clearly knows exactly. He's got an abacus in his bag just on the sidelines. He knows exactly how many he scored. But when, when people were calling you the best and, you know, you were being dubbed that, you... I've known you half an hour now. You're quite a modest mouse. How did that manifest with you? Did it even? Did you even process that? Was it just something you didn't even let enter your mind space? I always kept it at arm's length. Um, Rob Burrow actually used to go on a lot of time. He used to call me WBW, very tongue in cheek, <laughs> but he used to used to say it. But um, I used to just keep it at arm's length and just give it a, give it a nod. It, it, in fact, one year the the media got me in the group. You know, to select um, the shortlist for the Golden Boot. I have no idea how that even came about. But 2011, I was on shortlist <laughs> for a golden boot. I was like, 
Jesus Christ, like, please don't put this on me because someone's going to ask me a question about it. And it's like, I don't even want to be in selection for like that. I'd rather make it a five-man shortlist rather than six because it's just not worth it. Um, but, yeah, that, them things are... You just got to put... You just, I just keep it at arm's length and keep my feet on the ground. Yeah. What was that like leaving Leeds, Ryan? Um, because obviously you went to the NRL. We'll touch on that in a second. Uh, with, with John's um, fanboy friend, Sonny, Sonny Bill Williams, who, who left the, the Roosters with. We'll get into that as well, John. The only, the only human being I've ever seen Wilkin fanboy in his, in his existence <laughs> on this planet. He walked in, we all went, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Has he pied you, Wilco, by the way? If he, does he still WhatsApp you back? Yeah, we speak uh, we speak twice a day, really. Most just the time difference has made it awkward. Uh, quite often, first time. Uh, yeah, just just me and Sonny. You know, very tight still. Um, Talk about God you know, and stuff. He's still, yeah, he's still following my um, sort of get lean routine that I've been sort of preaching for a number of years, and it's working mm. for him. You know, he's it working for him. Get lean in fifteen minutes. Um, go on, look. So, Ryan, that that moment then when you you left Leeds, I guess you probably thought you were never going to come back, even though you were what late, you know, late twenties. That that was that was a, a tough time, wasn't it? Um, what the, the season to to leave Leeds? Yeah, the whole everything that went with it. Yeah, I think um, I think. My time at Leeds has finished. You know, I've been there for eleven years. I pretty much, like you say, I've achieved achieved everything uh, multiple times, and it was just time for a change. Uh, my mo, to be honest, my mojo, you know, for rugby league was kind of dying, um, and it just really? needed, it needed a refresher. It needed um, just something different. Like it wasn't, um, any, you know, I, I need to try and find something better. It wasn't the case of that. It just I need something just different, and. Um, Obviously, that was that fueled my decision to leave, um, and ultimately ended up signing a, a very, very good team, uh, you know, in Australia, which instantly, as soon as I landed uh, in Australia, got my mojo back, mojo back straight away because I was in uh, first day of pre-season with all the young kids because I, I was injured at the time. Uh, I had a long, long way to come back from injury, but um, like I had so much energy around me, so much enthusiasm, what the young kids can give. Because um, they're all um, the Australian boys are like they've got pictures on on the wall of the NRL players. You know that that's what their number one idol is. You know all across Australia, that's what that's what goes on. It's a little bit different in England. Um, you still get lots of energy from the young kids, but it was a, a different energy. It was like they're here to achieve their absolute number one dream, um, and they, they kind of just give me a load of energy just by doing that as well. I mean. Wilco, we, we, again, have had so many people that have gone to the NRL and, you know, either it hasn't worked out and they've come back or injuries have got in the way or, you know, homesickness. and Not a lot of people, really, that have, have left Super League and then gone on to have a five, six, seven-year career in, in the NRL, have they? No, yeah, and it's, it's tough, isn't it? It, it? It's not just round the corner. <laughs> it's a long way away, isn't it? And, and I think... Um, you can be quite romantic about like the idea of going out there, um, but if you look at George Williams and a few other players, you know when times get tough, COVID has probably exacerbated the situation. When people are mm. stuck halfway around the world, it's been half, hard enough being in the same country and not being able to see people. The feeling of isolation, being stuck in another country that far away, is really tough. So the biggest challenge for me is not a rugby challenge; it's it's a geography challenge and. And I think the players who 
can, <laughs> I don't I know this sounds really ruthless, but kind of sever ties with the UK and just see it as like, this is a new start, a new life, tend to go on and, 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 and do very well. But, but like everything, look, we said at the top, timing is everything. And the timing to get it right can just subtly be wrong or right. And the timing of an injury can be wrong or right. The timing of a contract renewal can be wrong or right. And you need a coincidence of five or six things to go your way for you know decisions like that to work out. And and, it, and it's very difficult and 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 to to get that right. And in what is Ryan, isn't it an exceptionally tough competition, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, to pick up on what you said there, you need five, five or six things to go right to kind of get the best of it. I think I had five or six things that go wrong just to, you know, really yeah. multiply how bad it was going to go. Um, obviously, injuries. ACL, COVID, yeah. Yeah, yeah, massive, uh, massive, yeah, kicking balls really that one. <laughs> um, I played the majority of the season, you know, my career leads untouched, you know, bomb-proof bomb pretty much without injury. Or like if I did get injured, mm-hmm. Fairly minor, and then soon it was three weeks after I'd signed at the Roosters on the on the, on the line that I did my ACL first major injury, injury where I needed surgery to come back from. So that that was a learning curve as well because I'd not learned how to be injured. Um, it sounds odd, but I'd not learned how to be injured and come back from that. But I had to do that in a new country, um, you know, with all the things going on. So um, yeah, that, that that was one of the the major things that I think what I did really succeed is where people say that I could have done really. Well, that, that to me, Ryan, seems like probably the first time in your career from the outside that you that you faced that level of, of adversity. You know, you, you're a confident guy um, and, you, and you went over there as this this try machine and obviously all those obstacles got in your way, with, like the ones we mentioned. It was a nasty ACL injury, COVID and all the other things, the geography that, that goes with it. But you didn't score a, a single try in Australia. And, you know, when you picture how it would have worked out, it would have worked out very differently and, and like you said, it's that is a really interesting point that Wilco says you you know it's it's not just one or two things going right and you do need bits of luck and you need things to to, to click into place but that must have been a real challenge for you because you weren't used to things not working for you and not not going your way yeah well that's right I pretty much I'd fall, fallen into the job at the start and then I got you know it was just all you know just so happens that the team I was playing for was a very good team, you know, the Rhinos um, when I first started. So it, things just fell into place for me, you know, at the young age. But when I went there, things were going the opposite way. And um, mm. yeah, the, the, the injury didn't help. And then the fact that I went to the best side in the world two years running, you know, I had to try and break into the team with other world class players around me. That was it. That would have been a struggle if I was, you know, free from injury. Um, so it, it, it was tough and I think the games I did play obviously I didn't score a try but like I said I said this from, from day one I ever played it's not for me it's not about scoring tries you know you, you referred back to the interview I did at the start of the year with KR I still have to say you know I had the same philosophy mm-hmm. then it's um, on the list of priorities for a winger Try scoring is not, not my number one. It could be, it, it will be for other people and it, people will disagree with what I'm saying there. But from my point of view, it's not, yeah. it's what you can do for the rest of the team. Um, I, like I said, I said that all along. And I feel like when I did yeah, play yeah. for the Roosters, I feel like I brought that part of my game. I actually play, I thought I played pretty well. Um, looking back at stats, I know the game's not done on stats, but if you look back at the evidence and, and the stats of what I've produced in them games, it was 
was certainly up there with the rest of the players who, who I was playing alongside and competing for shirts for. It was just, I got back in the team. I was playing, uh, played quite a few consecutive games. Then I got another injury, which bumped me out of the team. And then, well, too many injuries and it was just too hard to get back. In your head, were you thinking when you went there, and I know it's all hindsight's a wonderful thing, but when you went to Australia, were you thinking at the age of 30, right, this is me done and I'm going to see my career out here and show everyone what I'm about on this side of the world? Yeah, that's bang on. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I loved I loved where I lived. I know Wilco's talked about the, the geography side of things, but I absolutely loved where I lived. Um, my wife still says today that can we go back? Um, at some point, hopefully we might be able to, but... Um, Maybe not, you know, not right now. I'm not playing for Hull, but um, so that that for me wasn't too much of an issue because it was like an upgrade on where I was before. Uh, like, I don't think it would be um, too many downgrades. I don't think there's somewhere you can go to in the world and go to Bondi and be a downgrade. So it was, you know, it was a beautiful <laughs> place, to, beautiful place to live, and there's so much to do. And you know, for me to come back uh, from an injury, I couldn't think of anywhere better to come back from an injury, you know, sat on the beach and on Bondi. So, uh, so that side of things was great, like I say, but um, the, all the boys are great as well. Like, the, the, you, know, you get your personalities within teams and, you know, you get some strong personalities and every, every, every one of the Roosters players were, were top notch, you know, really good guys. Um, yeah. They had, a, they had a philosophy that um, they, they all employed good people. Um, it was one of the, like, mm. You know, you must be good at rugby and also a good person. It's like one of the criteria to sign for the, for the club and they've, they've certainly done that. So the group of boys, the players that they've got there still and when I was there, the top-notch lads and, you know, really humble, um, wanting me to get better and, you know, prove myself because they're all on my side. You know, they want me to do well, but it just didn't turn out that way. But what I do love, Wilco, about sportsmen and women and, you know, Ryan, for example, tell me if I'm wrong, John, could have hung up his boots after Sydney Roosters and everyone would have just lauded him as like, what an incredible career. And But he's come back for more because he's he's got that that itch that he still wants to scratch. There's still an addiction there. He The mathematician's still working out some stats which he can upgrade and so on before he does finally call it a day. And, like, and we've talked about this before, John, but you know, I'm obsessed with, and I, and I know you and Fran have read the book. I read it, you know, we all read it ages ago. The Chimp Paradox, The Power of Now, mm. Eckhart Tolle, Atomic Habits by James Clear. If you haven't read, read that one, it's sensational. Even, you know, Happy Sexy Millionaire by Stephen Bartlett, who's a, you know, guy who was in Manchester for years. And not all sportsmen, obviously, but I'm, I'm obsessed with that winning mindset of successful people. And, you know, Ryan, you yeah. have that in you, that, that positive mindset to be able to, to spin things around and it seems something that you, you can actually coach because I think you know a lot of people can't have that and you can educate and read yourself and, and instill that Brian McDermott probably did that to loads of people at Leeds and even later in your career Wilco taught you things which you didn't know yeah it's it's, it's quite easy to now as, as an older man like make sense of things like and I think like I've said this before it, I like talking to guys who get into the 30s like Ryan because you have this heightened sort of awareness of the world. And for me, my 30s have been a beautiful place where things have, I've started to understand things about myself, about other people, um, about what's good and what and what's not. And, and um, one thing I do know, and I know this for a fact, is life is fucking tough, right? Whatever you do, whether it's sport, you know, whatever line of work you're in, it's tough. But you've got to work hard at making yourself robust enough to deal with the toughest of times. 
And and sport is an unbelievable place to test how resilient you are. And we see it all the time. We see guys who face adversity and crumble. We see guys who face adversity, fight and eventually crumble. And then we see guys who consistently just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and are relentless. And and those are the types of guys that I enjoy playing with. But um, And those are the types of guys that, you know, naturally you know, do exceptionally well at, at sport. And, and it's not a sports thing, it's a person thing. And, you know, I, I know a number of people in my life, like one of my one of my very good friends is, you know, a high court judge. And, and his mindset is, is more remarkable than any sportsman that I've worked with. You know, his, his ability to deal with adversity, overcome it, um, naturally ride out the undulations of life. Um, sport exaggerates that because it's a weekly cycle of either success or failure, feedback, good or bad, uh, review, analyse, improve, work hard, go again. Now, life's not like that, is it? Um, and, 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 and that's where life's interested in sport. And, and now I'm out of sport, you know, um, it's certainly, you know, that, that, that um, overcoming adversity that, that defines whether somebody's great or not and you know Ryan in Australia you know that you said you know that that period of before he went out to Australia was 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 not full of any sort of negativity well that's that's bullshit because it's impossible to have a career in sport that's 11 years long where you don't have like some dark days where things haven't gone right where you are bottoming out um but that's just an anecdote for life you know, and in time, if you took a long enough lens over time and you said, right, I'm going to take a 10-year snapshot of life, you know, there naturally would be lows and highs. And, and, and you know, Ryan might have experienced a low in Australia in his career sense, but life, you know, is more than just a, a rugby career. And I think a long, very long answer to a good question, Will, is... Dealing with adversity is the biggest thing you can equip yourself with in life because it's coming. It'll come. And 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 you know, protecting young people from it. But when it when it comes, be ready for it and deal with it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah, you you've you've given the you will you've explained that better than I could ever do. It's uh, it's bang on, like well, so, so were, were we were we bang on then, or was I bang on in terms of something else to prove? Because you know, what was it about? And, you, and you've shown that you were damn right to keep playing, Ryan. Because the way you're going this season, what are you up to now? Not that you're counting on the abacus. Is it 13 tries as we're recording this? I think it is. But you know, and you didn't need to prove anyone wrong. So what? So what was it about carrying on? Well, it was a proof, a proof to me that I could still, you know, run around um, and do, you know, and actually do what I've done all my career. It was like the second injury I got over in in Australia wasn't as straightforward as what. Well, no one no, no one knows what really went on, um, so I had some adversity in that, and I needed uh, some some further surgery, surgery, which was pretty straightforward surgery really, um, but that went wrong, um, and the, well, the doctors didn't really know why I was I was able to walk because the screws that they put in my knee just basically snapped. And the thing it was meant to be holding together began not holding together, but I was still able to walk and still able to run around. Um, so for me, like no, no, none of the doctors could figure out why I was able to walk around. I'm still able to walk around. Um, 
But that's one of those things where I've just gone right. I'm gonna keep going until my knee blows up then, because if, <clears throat> if it shouldn't be, if it shouldn't be held together, but I am and I'm running round. Um, it might go at one point, but it's not gone yet. So I proved to myself that I can still do it. Um, <laughs> if I go down all the minute at one point in a game, I think you might know what's going wrong. But um, yes, yeah, more more of a personal challenge. I don't have to prove to anyone else apart from myself uh, about running around. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to prove to myself that I could still do it. That's what's weird about you guys, because Wilco does that sort of weird stuff as well. I remember one thing that always stands out in my mind is after the most ridiculous stag do, Flash's stag do actually in New York. Wilco, we you know we were all going back in body bags, and Wilco decided to stay on and run the New York Marathon, which was just you know <laughs> again why? It's a mistake. Why? I mean, there's was, a half hour. It was a big. Right it there. was a big. It was a. It was a big mistake. Well, let me tell you that. Um, yeah, I think I got overtaken by a guy in fancy dress as a hot dog at one stage, um, <laughs> and a fireman with, so, his, with his oxygen yeah, tank. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. You, you've got. Like to commit to anything for a period of time, you've got to have like a pretty weird mindset. And to commit to rugby, which is essentially a rank sport, like it's mm. it's horrible to play. It's like makes you feel, it hurts you. It, it, it's like full of like just just a lot of it is is quite negative. But to do it for a period of time, you have to be weird. And mm. like anything, well, like me and Ryan might look at you and think he's really weird for wanting to do this, what you're doing. And you'll look at anybody, who, but when you play rugby league, there's something amazing that I know that I miss and I can't quite put my finger on it. And it's like this competitive aggression, the sort of something that I got from rugby that I didn't realise that I, I enjoyed. And it's only since retiring that I realised I missed it. Yeah. Well, look, I, I mean, look, and, and who the hell am I to tell you this? But And this is interesting with Ryan as well, because Ryan, are you scared of that moment where, where it won't be in your life? And look, Wilco, I remember sitting with you having a beer and the same with Flash. And you don't have to have been there to have to tell you that. It's almost just a sort of more considered view because you're on the sort of the roller coaster and the treadmill of it every day that... You see people retiring in there, you know, it's, Lee Mossop's retired recently, obviously he's had injuries and so on, but at 32, you see people, for me, pulling the plug too early, you know, as Flash has done it and, and he's got his reasons, but he tried to do it two, three years before that. And it's something that you can never get back unless you do the ridiculous thing and come, oh, there could be a comeback for Wilkin. Here we go. And now we're, we're maybe getting to the crux of the matter. But do you know what I mean? It's something that you, you can't get back and you've got so many more years to sit there and wonder why the hell you you did retire and once it's gone it has gone hasn't it and, you, and like you still can't put the finger on what that is that you miss every day no but but you've got to have a really strong why to carry on yeah and and you've got to have a really compelling drive to continue and you can't just continue because you should and because you think you should and because your family think you should you've got to wake up every day and have this burning horrible like want to win games on a weekend and I had that mm. all the way to the end and you know it was my body that that I, I still I've still got that now like I, I, I would still embrace being competitive and, and wanting to win games but ultimately you know Ryan's waiting for this moment where his knee you know he's clutching his knee he's rolling round and he's ready for this moment where that's gonna you know might happen well you know i I, that happened to me, you know, where I just was running and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do it anymore. I'd, I'd like to do it. I'd, I'd love to still be playing, but I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> and, yeah. and 
Yeah, and that comes to everyone, Holly, doesn't it? You know, you see it across the sport all the time. Um, he's well speak, um, giving an ex- example of that. Uh, Danny Maguire, he, he you know, hung up his boots a few a few years ago, but he's a coach at OKR now, and um, he joins in, in all the team stuff. And he's he's running ring around people. He's still got it. He has still got it, <laughs> but he's. The body, you know, the body. I don't think can give out, you know, what he needs to do to play the rest of the game. But he's great with balling, and he always has been. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it just hurts, hurts him too much. Um, well, Ga- Gareth, Gareth Ellis was an example of that, wasn't he? He just could could never give up and kept coming back in every single capacity until it was like, Gareth, we've cancelled your pass. Isn't working on the system anymore, and you're not allowed in the building. Um, <sighs> but the, the other thing I was going to say when you mentioned your knee. Um, Virgil van Dijk recently, obviously, you know, in football, it was out for a whole season, horrible, horrible injury. And and he was saying this week how he had to learn to fall in love with his knee again, which, which my ears sort of pricked up when I heard that. But you probably had a similar thing, you know, when you were in that pain and when it was keeping you out of doing what you love doing, you looked at your knee with kind of almost a bit of shame of just like, you know, you have to almost have a conversation and learn to, to get on with it again. Yeah, yeah you, have, you have conversations with it and you, you shout at it more than anything. Why do you work so much? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Give up going like, be normal again. I remember what it used to be like with you. So like, go back to that again. But yeah, uh, yeah, he's, he's right. You, you have many conversations because it's such a long injury to come back from. But but I have both knees done, mm-hmm. so it's um, it, it's such a long you spend such a long time speaking to it, and you got so you know. Um, yeah, I just uh, love that imagery of, of Ryan Ryan Hall turning up in his car at the you know the training ground at Hull KR, and he's just in there shouting at both of his knees. The security yeah. coming from both sides. Look, 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 you, you two, look, we're going to have a good one today. All right, yeah. you, sort yourself out, and you, come on. Well, the, the, the weird thing about when you're injured is, Holly, like that, is one thing people don't realise is when you're playing a game, you're used to moving in a specific way, and you're used to feeling a specific way about moving. The hardest thing about injury is not quite being able to move how you felt you could and falling out of the condition of being able to move in the patterns which you're used to, isn't it? That's a big challenge, Holly, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's massive, yeah. It's um, like like Virgil says, you have to learn how to run again. But it's, you, people think after surgery, oh, it'll just bend up and then you're right again. But you, you don't, you're, ne- you're never fixed after surgery. It just puts you in a slightly better place than you were, you know, whilst you were completely injured. Um, you never go back to how you were before. So you've just got to re relearn and right, this is how it's gonna be from now on. Like if I if they run like that, I'll have to adapt what I do to fix my body, you know, now and then have to just get by with what I've got. Um so that that's mm. took it took two years really to get over that for me. And that's that was that was the two years at the Roosters which didn't go as well as I wanted to. I'll tell you one no, thing, I, Will, I that he hasn't broken. I'll tell you one thing that isn't broken on Ryan Hall. It's the, the big fucking fend. Oh, my God. Just put his hand, like, his eye out here. And all you, this is what you see when you're tackling Ryan Hall. You just get that, and it's like this. Well, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? If you're coming to come near me, I'll just put my arm out. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. Stronger than cider. <laughs> well, look, someone's going to get that. Someone's going to get that fend, aren't they? In the whole derby, and we've kept you long enough for, for an hour, Ryan, and it's flown by. It's been brilliant to hear your insight. But yeah, I, I want us to spend the last yeah. few minutes talking about the, the whole derby because I, I said to you before we came on, Wilco, uh, he, he says a few, but you know, a few things which which I always remember over the years. But one of them was that his biggest regret in his career was not playing in 
one of those and you've got the opportunity to do that so what what are you expecting for this game because it's it's obviously it's rivals round uh, the rivals round in in super league this weekend which is a big weekend uh, in the calendar but the first experience of this for you i imagine all the whole boys have told you everything about it yeah yeah it's it's just the way they talk about it. they haven't said anything specifically about what the game is they're just the fact that they just all want to be on the field at the same time and they can't wait to witness it. Jordan Abdul, obviously one of the Hull natives, he's in the pot at the moment and he's fuming. He wants to cut it off before the game, just put a shirt on and off he goes. That's how you know deep it runs. And So he's not told me anything specific about the game, but just by his actions and by his words, I think I know what's going to come up on Saturday. And I'm really looking forward to it. Jordan Abdul's like, Oh no, Ollie, don't you know? You don't know <laughs> nothing about the old derby, you know? Yeah. No. I'm gonna cut this I'm gonna cut this pot off, you know. No. Yeah. That's exactly what the conversations <laughs> are going like. I cannot do with any accents, but that yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> Wilco, what 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 is that like though? I know, I know you never played in it, but you obviously were around yeah. it and you've stood on the terraces for it and, and so on. For, but for because we often get a lot of people on this podcast who say you never fucking talk about Hull, you've always got people from Wigan and Saints and Leeds on you know, this is the this is the time now to to wax lyrical about it for two people who haven't played in it. Yeah, no, look, I, I think um, like I'm all about the history of, of the sport and and about like things that evoke some emotion from me. And you think about the history between Hull KR and Hull FC is one of the most beautiful parts of the fabric of the game. It, it's an unbelievable story for a, a city that has struggled and and that has had its challenges and that still remains you know, in a situation where it struggles, there's been this point at which the city stops and celebrates something in, in terms of sport. And the output of the two whole teams, you know, has probably exceeded the, the economic, social sort of side of the city. And it's been hugely entertaining. It's been one of the landmark fixtures in the game. And you, you look back through the history of the game and it's filled with unbelievable whole you know, and whole KR derbies that are, are beautiful and rich and different to, to Saints Wigan. Like I played in 45 Saints Wigan derbies and don't get me wrong, it, it, they are unbelievable and, and fantastic to be part of, but they're not in the same city and they don't live next door to each other in the main where you're talking about people living on the same street, having split allegiances, split households. And I just think it's one of the really interesting and fantastic stories in rugby league. And, I, you know, I, very jealous of, of Ryan and he's just let slip Jordan Abdul's going to play which is cool you know Jordan Abdul's hacksaw in his pot off in the background now <laughs> just getting ready to play and, and Ryan do you know what I mean we we talk about fans being back and I know you've already experienced that in Super League but there's going to be something very different about this isn't there you know just just the, I imagine that the day of the match the smell just every everything will will sort of stand out you know the the the, the Few words that someone you you pick up on the sidelines that you haven't heard before, and it, it's a, it's a it's going to be fierce and ferocious that noise, isn't it? Which is just your mouth must be watering just at the prospect of that. Towards the end of your career, this is what you live for now. For now, yes, certainly. Um, I, th- I think in years gone by as well, in in, in past derbies, um, I think there's always been one side better in the league than the other. Uh, obviously. Recent years, anyway, I think Hull have struggled in the league, and it's not been really worth anything, you know, in the league because Hull FC have been quite a strong team for a number of years, and they've finished higher than Hull uh, KR. I think for the last ten years, or even even longer than that. Um, 
So there's not really much worth in league, but this year we're fighting for player spots. You know, both of us are in the mix for player spots. So, uh, you know, there's that added element into it as well. So I think there's going to be some real spice in it. Uh, I've seen some comments what um, Adam Pearson has, has made already to try to fuel the fire. He's trying to say something along the lines as we're not a grand final, uh, grand final material, even though, we, you know, we've been, other people have been saying that, you know, could we see okay in, in a grand final? Uh, and he's come out and, you know, put it on us that we've been shouting all this about ourselves, but we haven't. Um, so he's trying to add some um, external spice to it, um, which... I'm sure, I'm sure they'll all be added and we'll kick off on, on Saturday. We'll, we'll see how much spice has been added. Well, look, that's a good place to leave it, isn't it? And I, I can't wait to watch it and um, all the best, mate. Thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on because that was a really fascinating bit of insight into, you know, your mindset. And um, this is what I love, Wilco, about this podcast because you just, you have an idea of someone, don't you, that you don't know. And then you suddenly, I mean, Ryan Hall, maths, prodigy. If I told you that, Wilco, I mean, you probably knew it already, but that is just something that I'd, I'd love the sound of tapping into. And hopefully we did that for everyone listening. Um, right, Ryan, good luck, mate, at the weekend. John, we'll see you next week with, unfortunately, yeah. Flanagan. He's back from that Holy. tacky Spanish holiday. Pl- yeah, Plenty defense. of this in the derby, Holly. Plenty yeah. of this. Get that <laughs> into some people's faces. All okay. right. <laughs> good man. Cheers, Ryan. Keep in touch. Uh, there we go. New episode for you next week. Uh, give us a little follow, everyone who's listening on at out of your RL and we will see you very soon.